0: On today's episode 63 of Teaching in Higher Ed, I share about my triumphs and failures on day one of the semester. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. This is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to increase our personal productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. Hello, this is Bonnie Stahoviak, and I want to thank you for joining me today. And especially I'd like to thank those of you who took the time to write in or send me a quick tweet saying that you enjoyed the episode where I shared about the terrors of teaching, including sharing some of my nightmares had begun as the semester drew closer and you were able to share some of your nightmares with with me, which it's so fun to catch a little glimpse into how our brains work (laughs) as we think about a, a new season coming and our brains start to try to process that as we sleep. And I'd encourage you on this same tone to, to please share with me your triumphs and failures from your day one of teaching if you are about to or have recently launched a new course and uh, are experiencing all of those things and and again just thank the many past guests who have encouraged failure as a means for us to achieve the most potential we can as educators I am going to start off with a little bit of a content warning a lot of the podcasts I listen to, I can't listen to anymore in the car with my two small children. I wanted to keep pretending that our son was just not listening to what was going on, on the podcasts, and that he was just more interested in the fire trucks we passed or or other types of vehicles that catch his fancy as they regularly do. But the other day, I was listening to the Mac power users. And they it was actually it was quite about a month ago, maybe. And they shared about an emergency They did a a podcast about emergency preparedness and my son pipes up in the back seat because he must really like the word emergency. And he said something about, oh, when it's an emergency, a fire truck comes and an ambulance comes and all this. And I thought... Okay, I can't listen to some of my other podcasts that I love so much because they have sometimes uh, some curse words that show up and they always do these content warnings in the beginning to give you a heads up. And then I go, oh, drat, I'll have to wait and listen to this episode later. So, this content warning, if you have children in the car, it's not that kind of content warning because I want you to be able to listen to this wherever you are. But it is a content warning that. (laughs) I'm going to be sharing about a couple of memes that have shown up that kind of get stuck in our head. And it starts with there's the idea um, for a long time, you you might have been said that you were a victim of being rickrolled or experiencing a rickroll. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it's a little trick where you send someone an email and they click on a link and all of a sudden, this is what they hear. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you That would be Rick Astley, the song Never Gonna Give You Up from... Oh gosh, I don't even know what year it came out. I should have looked that up before I started, but it has been around a while. And so that is what is it means to be rickrolled. And now you're going to have that song stuck in your head if you're anything like me. Well, I need to tell you about another meme, but it goes back uh, even uh, longer ago than being rickrolled. And that was back in the early '90s. I used to work in the computer training business. I've talked about that before on the show, and there. I worked with a really wonderful group of young people that were just so funny and such delightful teacher. It was the franchising industry, so we were responsible for training people who had just bought the businesses and helping them get up to speed and so forth. And I loved working with these people because they were so gifted, and I learned a lot about teaching back then. It's fun to think about how that cultivated some of the skills that I put into place even all these years later. Well, they loved to also just play jokes on each other and have a good time as the case may be and one of the memes that would of course they weren't called that back then but one of the things that was going around all over our department uh, full of young sometimes mischievous people was that you would get your your coworker friend to click on a link and as soon as you did their entire computer screen would freeze And they couldn't do anything with their mouse, nothing with their their keyboard. They'd have to just completely shut the computer off and restart it again. And this is what they would hear. You can only imagine (laughs) what that was like. And you'd just be all sitting in your cubicles or in your offices and and just... (laughs) all of a sudden hear that coming through somebody's speakers and know that they had been caught once again. Well, let's see, that was back in the early 90s. Even all these years later, that song still comes into my mind. That repetitive, obnoxious, irritating song comes into my mind anytime that I do something incredibly stupid in teaching. And I'm going to be sharing about some incredibly stupid things I did in teaching. I think that The latter ones I'll talk about are less problematic to me than the first one I'd like to share. And I will say that I'm not necessarily excited about sharing it other than that you have encouraged me as a community to say that it is important for us to share these things and, and that a lot of value can come out of that, both for me as a reflective practitioner and working to become better at what I do and and ultimately to become a better person. And then also that perhaps others might be able to learn from my mistakes too. And the first failure I have entitled, Trayvon, trip up. And I'd like to begin by just sharing that race has been on my mind quite a bit. I mean, it it just has been for a very long time, but especially lately with regard to this podcast, I've actually been trying to reach out to different experts in the field of cultural competence and and race and ethnicity to have someone, although I'd, I'd actually like to do multiple episodes on the subject, I don't think we can even come close with just one episode. So I'm trying to think more longer term. And I've just ran into some challenges where people were either on sabbatical or or didn't answer my emails and so on and so forth. I'd like to just say it's on my mind a lot. It's a topic I'd like to do some episodes on. And if you ever have any suggestions for me on who might be a good person to do that, it's something that I am welcoming that feedback. And you could send me an email or, or just go to teachinginhighered.com feedback. And suggest it that way. So it has been on my mind. And it's especially then just more recently been on my mind. I've mentioned that I now have finished reading the revised version of The Skillful Teacher by Stephen Brookfield. And he has been an inspiration to me to be more transparent, to be more vulnerable, and, and to share failures like the one that I'm about to share. And he does that so beautifully in this book. He has a chapter about race in the classroom. And he shared about microaggressions. And I had not been familiar with that term before. And that in much of his teaching, as he sees it, it's less about him doing something completely overtly racist, but just as bad doing things that are um would be would be phrased microaggressions. And the example that he gives in the book would be a professor who called less often on people of color in their classrooms, or a professor who teaches in a more discussion-oriented style like he does and and who might open up the floor and a person of color speaks and then and then someone in the majority decides to speak and, and in a way that was not appropriate or or not, um, not, that that Stephen feels like he wants to step in and do something about it. And then that kind of being a microaggression in and of itself, as if he had to go in and rescue the person of color as an example. So he, this has just been, and again, I can't even do it justice. I'm, I'm awkward even trying to talk about his, his chapter because it's just brilliantly written and articulated, but I did just want to mention it as an inspiration for me to do more of this kind of risk taking and talking about mistakes that I've made in my teaching and also back when Peter Newberry was on the show, he was sharing at the end, his recommendation was to have us, particularly he was mentioning on Twitter, although of course this advice applies to beyond the community of Twitter, was to be following people and engaging with people that are very different from us. And one of the things I was convicted of myself after listening to that episode, I actually always listen to the episodes after I record them, so I can truly absorb as much as I can out of the guest. And I'm not always able to do that if I'm if I'm in the middle of recording, so I always listen to them. And I was really convicted to change around some of the people I follow on Twitter, and I've been following a number of people involved in the Black Lives Matter movement, and you'll see that hashtag shows up quite a bit on Twitter, hashtag Black Lives Matter, and I I realized I needed to become even more educated than what might hit necessarily the mainstream press. I wanted to tell you about all of that as a backdrop, that race is something that comes into my mind quite a bit. As I was getting ready to teach my classes this semester, I noticed that a young man in one of my classes had a name that was very similar to the name Trayvon. And if you're not familiar with who Trayvon is, I'll get to that in just a minute, but but it does have to do with an individual in the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, very early in that movement. And I, in my head, as I saw his name on the roster, I kept telling myself, don't call him Trayvon, don't call him Trayvon, don't say it, don't say it, don't do it, don't do it when you see him, don't do it, <laughs> because that's not his name. His name has an extra syllable in there, so I was very concerned about mispronouncing it. And, and that that would be disrespectful to that him as an individual. And as it, as it ended up happening, there were, it's so great when students get there early, there were a number of students that were there early and they're signing the, themselves in in the back. I always have a sign-in sheet in the back. And I went back there and talked to a few of the students and asked them their names. I like to, to the extent that I can, get a, get a few students who have arrived early and I can start to Grasp some names and match some faces beyond just student ID pictures. And the the young man introduced himself with his first name. It's not Trayvon. I'm I'm specifically not saying his first name on purpose. It just is so similar to that. And I so I said, "Oh, um, very nice to meet you." And then here's where it gets bad, in, in my opinion. <sighs> I I stupidly asked him, "Do people ever accidentally call you Trayvon?" And he was very polite and said, oh, no, no one ever does. And I said, oh, gosh, that's surprising. And he said, well, why would they? Who is that? And here's where I proceeded to get it completely wrong in two ways. There are two ways I got it wrong. One way that I got it wrong is, first of all, and, and you can probably already see this, but I missed it. <laughs> Not all African-Americans are aware of the Black Lives Matter movement any more than I was aware of the reasons why many people question us in our country celebrating Columbus Day. And and I, I mean, I just could kick myself for my stupidity. It, it does come to mind. I, I could picture the theme song <laughs> playing. Yes, this is playing in my head as I go, oh. You got that one completely wrong. And, and by the way, if you're not familiar who Trayvon Martin is, uh, that'll come clear in just a moment because the second piece of the story of how I got it completely wrong and was an idiot is that I proceeded to tell him that Trayvon Martin was killed by an, a young, unarmed African-American who was killed by a police officer. He was not killed by a police officer. He was the 17-year-old African American young man who was fatally shot by George Zimmerman in Florida. He was a George Zimmerman was a neighborhood watch volunteer and according to the stand your ground laws um took on the role of protecting his community and not relying on until the the law enforcement officials came to to handle things. And so I got the story completely wrong, I mixed him up in my mind with Michael Brown and it I mean it was just wrong on every level that that I would assume that this young man would know some of the the movement in this community. And second of all, <laughs> not only that, I made it worse because now he still doesn't know now I've told him the wrong information. This was definitely I would consider to be a big failure. I don't want to get too locked into that I can't you know, recover from this. I still want to have race be on my mind a lot as I'm teaching. I still want to care deeply and want to be intentional about doing everything that I can to serve and help all of my students, but especially my students who are um, students of color are going to, in many cases, have had barriers to their education that I can't fathom. And so I want to always have them on my heart. I always want to have them on my minds. And even if I make failures like the one that I made, I hope that the success that can come out of it is nonetheless, this young man knows that I came, I had some conversation with him in an informal way and wanted to know his name and wanted to get to know him. And I hope that's what that shines through in the middle of my failure Although I also want to call it a failure and name it so I can do better in the future. And of course, I would want to, uh, in order to name the failure, I'd like to say I just wouldn't bring up That his name sounds like another person's name. It's not really necessarily the first thing we want to talk about when we meet someone. I could have shifted the conversation into learning something more about him and his life. And then second, if for some reason it does actually become relevant to bring up a story like that, I would like to share a factually accurate depiction of who this young man's name sounds like. That's my you are an idiot moment. And I really did <laughs> hear that song after as I was reflecting on it later. And, uh, you know, sometimes I can be hard on myself and I want to be hard on myself because I can do better than that. The The other failures are not as serious as that one to me, but they still are failures. I had some forgetfulness where I did an exercise where I teach with sticky notes on the first day and I've shared about this in a blog post. I'll link to it in the show notes Teaching and higher slash sixty three. If you'd like to read about that, but it's really hard to teach with sticky notes, if you don't have sticky notes, it's it's really, there's nothing else that you have in a classroom that could approximate sticky notes. There's really not. And I also neglected to bring dry erase board markers with me. Fortunately, in that case, those two things are pretty easy to remedy, especially because I get everywhere early. But it was just another reminder that I have a class planning software that I use that's called PlanBook and it wouldn't really matter what you use to plan your courses but even after teaching this is I'm coming teaching my 10th year full time this coming year and even after that long we're still going to forget things and so having in whatever organizational tool you use for your classes the materials that you're going to need that day in this case stickies having a that you regularly go and check what is it I need to bring with me is a helpful thing and then of course dry erase board markers what had happened is I had just not gotten them back into the the bag and hadn't hadn't done the, the work of just making sure I have all of my materials. And it's always good to have, maybe it's an Evernote or, or whatever tool you use to have a checklist of things, what needs to be in my bag, and then you can double check. And then as things get, you know, if you your dry erase board marker gets all dried up, then you have somewhere where you can track that you need to replace any supplies and, and that type of thing. So those were a couple of other failures that I had. I get to now transition over to triumphs, although I'm sure I had other failures too, but those are the ones that I'm going to acknowledge and, and share with you and also work on myself. As far as triumphs, One of the things that is a challenge, and I was pleased with how it worked out, is that I'm teaching three sections of the same class. I've mentioned that in a few past episodes, and I'm happy to report that my triumph is I was able to mostly keep pace between the three sections of the same class. Now, sometimes I might emphasize something more in one class than the other. Everyone is a little bit different. Classes always have their own personality, and sometimes I might share a little bit more about one thing that I do in one class versus the other. But I felt like I mostly was able to keep pace with that. And I didn't have to ask, Oh, did I already tell you the story or anything like that, which I've had to do in the past. So that that part worked out really well. Another thing is I was able to keep all my stuff together. And I've blogged about this recently, I'll post a link to that in the show notes too. that I do tend to leave a power cord behind or the little cord that connects my Mac to the projector in the classroom, etc. And I purchased a grid it system and it fits right inside of my laptop bag along with my laptop. What happens is when I start teaching the class, I just pull out the entire, it's approximately eight and a half by 11. That's not exactly what it is, but it's approximately that size, pull out the whole entire grid, it, set it on the table, remove the power cord, hook the power cord up, all that. And then before I leave, all of those little grids need to be filled. So I need to make sure that it, it helps remind me visually to get those cords back in the place where they need to be and then put that back into the bag. There was an individual who had commented on the blog that that didn't really work for him very well. And he has another brand of bags that he recommended that worked better for him. But gosh, for my brain <laughs> and how it works it It was great, because the first day is always crazy. Every time you know you're done teaching, there's a big line of students who want to ask you a question and what have you. So those are some of my worst times to be forgetful about those chords. And there is something about that grid it thing that just worked so well to make sure okay everything's back in here, packed up in the bag. I can visually tell if something's missing or if everything is packed and ready to go. That worked really well for me. The other thing I thought was a triumph. And I've just been refining over a number of years is that rather than on day one, tell them in the future what our class is going to be like, tell them in the future what my teaching style is going to be like is to actually have them experience what the classroom is going to be like, have them experience what my teaching is going to be like on day one. I think that's really helpful rather than just talking about some hypothetical theoretical experience they'll have down the road, they can actually live it out in that day and start to have a feel for it. And I can only hope, get excited about the class. And I got to be witness to many of them sharing that they were really excited about the class. It was really just fun to see the lights in their eyes and the excitement there. One young woman came up to me and said that she, she was brand new to college and how nice I seemed and how much she was looking forward to getting to know me this semester. And those kinds of things are just so just warm my heart and and just make me have such a sense of meaning and significant for what my, what what I do and I and it also helps me earn a little bit of I am yes I I do consider myself to be a nice person but I'm a tough professor I never have sometimes students will post on this on this informal Facebook post they'll say who's the easiest professor because they're a senior and they want to get out of there and be done with it whatever no one is ever going to accuse me of being an easy professor in any of my classes i'm known for being challenging at the university and also in the class i'm known for you're going to come in we're not going to sit on our laptop and go on facebook we're not going to we're not going to just sit back and and not need to engage But I'm glad for these first few days of classes where they can get to know me a little bit, that it comes from a place of caring. And I talked about that a little bit on day one, that we're, you're going to need to work in here. Your brain's going to need to be engaged because I I want you to be retrieving information. And it's almost like, it's not a perfect analogy, but they're exercising those brains so we can recall the information, recall, 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 and get used to retrieval and and some of those principles of of how the brain works and how that contributes to our learning. You're going to need to work when you're here. But at the same time, it's, it's coming from a place of caring. I care so much. I want you to learn and I want you to get, Everything that you need to get out of this class is an introductory class. It's foundational for so much more of what they'll be doing in their college experience. So that that was a nice thing for me, and I, I consider that to be a triumph. And the last one I wanted to mention here is less of a triumph on that first day and more of a triumph regarding just how I'm approaching teaching more and more. I was in the afternoon after having taught the first day of those three sections of the same class. I was getting ready for day two, which will be tomorrow. And and you can imagine sometimes we're I, I have the all the, I've taught the class more than twenty times, but I'm constantly refining, constantly refining. And one of the things that had happened since my last refinement is that our learning management system, Moodle, they had changed the version; it had upgraded. So the screenshots I have on the PowerPoint don't match anymore. And and the way that I was actually had in there, how they could see their calendar of all the different dates for assignments and things like that. And they can even add their own items to the calendar. I, I had shown them that in past classes, but of course now the interface looks different and that's going to be confusing. <laughs> this is what it used to look like. It doesn't look like that anymore. And oh, by the way, you click somewhere else. And as I was updating it, I was starting to use I have used a program called Snagit to do screenshots. Snagit, by the way, is available on the Mac and on Windows and has been around forever and is the best screenshot program I've ever seen. And I'm, so I'm going, okay, go get the screenshot from the learning management system, plug it into the PowerPoint, go get it. Go. And then all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, you are trying to teach something in a classroom that they're not going to be doing right then. They're going to be watching you for some hypothetical future when they're actually looking at it on their own computer screen. And the other challenge is there's so many variables. Are students going to be using a paper planner, which some of them still do? Are students going to be using a planner on their phone, on their computer, or both? I mean, the the number of variables just all of a sudden just hit me in my head. And then the fact that it's it's so much more effective if they can actually watch me do it on at their own pace and on their own time and actually perhaps even have it up on their own computer if they were watching me do it. And I was able to just decide this is not something that belongs in a classroom. This is something that belongs as a just-in-time demonstration for when they're ready to consider looking at their calendar and getting that kind of thing set up. The calendar, by the way, which many of the Learning management systems have this feature where you could actually subscribe to a calendar from the learning management system. So it shows up in your own calendar. You can see due dates and exams and things like that. So that's what I was looking to show them how to do. So my triumph here is continually working on just-in-time learning or just-in-time demonstrations whenever possible. I'd have two recommendations for you. One is back to Snagit, which I just mentioned. It's not only for screenshots, but it also can do these quick little videos of something on your screen capture your voice, capture whatever it is you're clicking on. And then it's just so easy to be able to save it to a whole bunch of different places, including Google Drive, Dropbox, and that's just to name a few. Snagit's a great option. Another great option on the Mac is called Tapes. I like Tapes quite a bit because it's so quick and easy. You just record and it automatically puts that video in your clipboard, the link to get to it, and so you can easily add that to a message or add it to an item in your learning management system the biggest thing i have about tapes that makes me hesitate recommending it is it has a limit of 60 minutes per month that you can store on their server servers and this is never mentioned at least the last time i checked anywhere in its listing on the app store and that barrier gets in in the way a little bit i think i find out about it. i found out about it too late in the process when i was already using it as a part of a grading workflow so that's my only trick on that one, but I still think it does have some great potential. I just wish they'd get that piece of it figured out. This is the point in the show when I do recommendations. And my recommendation to you, as I said up front, is to share your own failures and triumphs. I would love to hear those. I know other people would too, if it's something you want to blog about, if it's something you'd like to share in the comments section of this episode at teachinginhieredcom slash if it's something you want to tweet about it, I would love to hear it. And it's something that I really have gotten a lot of benefit over. I wanted to mention that my friend and former guest here on the podcast, Doug McKee, does this often on his teachbetter.co blog. And I love hearing about his classes, what worked, what didn't, and how he's evaluating his own success. So thank you, Doug. In addition to Stephen Brookfield and the other people I mentioned up front for inspiring me To be vulnerable, to just say, hey, I made some mistakes yesterday and I'm going to get better. I am going to get better. And I think we all can get better if we start to share more of these things and encourage each other and sharpen each other's teaching as well. So thank you so much for listening and being a part of a community. And again, I hope that I will be hearing from you on your teaching successes and failures. This has been Teaching in Higher Ed episode 63 as always if you have comments on today's episode please go to teaching in higher slash 63 and share those with me if you have any recommendations for future guests or topics you can do that at teaching slash feedback and if you have yet to subscribe to the weekly update you can get one email every week with all the links in the show notes and an article included about teaching or productivity Thank you so much for listening and I'll look forward to seeing you next time. Take care and those of you who are just about to start a term or start a semester, best wishes and come on and share your successes and failures with us.